My partner is showing signs of recovery. Why is there a part of me that doesn't like that? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with real recovery. Tyler, hey, please tell me, please tell me that you called mom yesterday on Mother's Day. <laughs> oh man, I was, I was, I was hoping that you did. It sounds like it sounds like you, you, you always go a little bit above and beyond. So you actually took the grandkids over to the house and like went and spent some time with mom. I bought her a doormat for Mother's Day. Oh, geez. <laughs> so okay, I don't well, know if, if I'd call that above and beyond, but at least I showed up and said, Hey, I love you. Yeah. You, well, I, I did. I had a good conversation with her on the phone. And, Excellent. And the nice thing about you, Brandon, is everyone here is listening to that and going like, you bought your mom a doormat. Um, <laughs> I, got but, her a few, I got her a few other things too. <laughs> but the cool, the cool thing is, is that, is that you actually are astute enough to notice that at their house, they needed a doormat. So. Yeah. 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 So, so good for you. Um, <laughs> that, that's great, man. Yeah. I give you a hard time because <laughs> sometimes Tyler can be a little forgetful. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely a little forgetful and I'm definitely not sentimental and I, it, it gets me into trouble all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. but, but then when you are and you make that phone call, it's an added bonus. I bet mom loved it yesterday. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I, I don't know. Mom and dad are so busy in their newfound retirement that, uh, then they're they're too busy anyway. Yeah, I mean a lot of crossword puzzles and Netflix. <laughs> they were they were down volunteering the Iron Man in St. George this weekend. Oh, and they go to every grandchild's ball game yeah. constantly. Yeah, so it's awesome. Yeah, they're awesome. All right. Should we get into it here? Let's do it. All right. So we have a guest here today named Emily. Emily, welcome to the show. Hello. Um, if you could just Tell us what's going on in your life. Give us a little bit of background and then ask any questions that you have. That'd be awesome. Okay. Um, oh, it's going to be hard to do and like a, not a, not a long book of mine, but I guess <laughs> I could start with uh, my partner and I have been together for four years. Um, and I would say that we kind of went through the normal stages of a relationship. You know, you go through the puppy dog stage, everything's great. And then you kind of move into more of like a, I guess, a slow burn kind of love is what I like to call it. Um, but I would say our puppy dog stage was probably about a year and a half. And then things were just off. Like I've heard on this podcast a lot, you know, a lot of women can tell something is off, but they can't put their finger on it. So about a year and a half mark in, I was kind of like, all right, I'm figuring this out. I got this. I'm going to figure it all out. Problem solved. Of course, uh, if only I knew and could tell myself, <laughs> I would probably just laugh. But um, so start, starts the journey of doing all this research and come to find out porn and sex addiction can be a thing or is exists. And um, I think I was in denial about it for a long time because I always thought, uh, I don't know, I grew up watching porn even. So I was kind of like, oh, like, no, it's not real. Anyways, time continues on. And it's just not making sense. We're trying things in the bedroom to spice it up kind of like he wanted. And I wasn't opposed to it. And OK, so then probably about 
three years in, I was like, no, this is seriously wrong. Something is seriously wrong. He didn't want to take the title of porn addict, sex addict on. And I understand why. Um, but it just, we were kind of butting heads where I was saying, this is a problem for me in the relationship. And he wasn't, he was just kind of uh, the minimizing, justifying, justifying with the, all guys do it. It's just normal. And so this year, um, we've kind of, we've been doing couples therapy and individual therapy. So um, we've kind of backed up on the couples therapy kind of by my request. And um, I've been hitting individual therapy pretty hard. Um, and we did have a couple therapy session this year in January. And it kind of just like hit both of us pretty hard caused us to face reality. I think it was good because for the last three years, you know, we'd be kind of dancing around this elephant in the room and it, the, the, the session just kind of forced us to like, no, this is an issue and you know, we got to face it. And so um, I would say this year has been uh, 2022. This year has been a year of grieving for me, like uh, grieving, you know, this is not what I had hoped my relationship would be what I thought it should be like, um, you know, that happens to other people, not me, you know, all that stuff like that. And so it was getting pretty bad, I guess, on my end, because I, I was coming more and more to my truth that I'm not willing to stay in this relationship if we can't even agree on what the elephant in the room is. We can't have a common, you know, understanding of what's going on because I'm living in this reality. He's living in this reality. And so um, about a month ago, when I wrote you guys, I was starting to talk with some friends and family about moving out and logistics of what that would look like. And I even remember telling him, you know, um, if things aren't going to change on your end, you know, that's, that's okay, but I can't stay. I can't stay and I will leave. And, um, you know, I've been sleeping upstairs in a spare bedroom that we have for a while. So that's kind of given me the space and the time to process the things that I need to process. And about three or so weeks ago, all of a sudden things have just kind of changed. So obviously I know that's not a long enough time to trust that changes I'm seeing in him are like long-term and it's not just kind of like part of the uh, roller coaster of recovery, the up and down cycle, but, um, or excuse me, roller coaster of addiction, the up and down cycle. But I mean, he started to go um, to SLIA meetings. He's in group therapy, like a trauma and addiction group therapy for this. Um, he's in, um, he's even the lingo that he's even using to talk about his issues, his switch. He's not, denying it and he's he even used like well i'm a sex addict so i'm like it's just I, i'm just kind of blown away and almost just like i don't know what to make it and kind of me part of me doesn't even like that this is happening because i was so sure that i was gonna leave and uh yeah so that's where i'm at mm. all right emily so a couple a couple questions for you the first question is is 
what is the shift that you're seeing? You obviously named all of the things he's doing. Is it just the things he's doing? Is there a shift in the, in the energy there? And then number two is if these are all things that you've been asking him to do for so long, what is it in you that you think is pushing away from that or, or not liking that you're seeing that work or that change? Mm. Well, I would say that energy is different. I know you guys are big on energy. I'm, I am too, because, uh, you know, in the past when he's come home and I know you'd say that women can pick up it on it in an instant. And I am one of those women <laughs> mm. and sometimes like something small, maybe that's not small, but like, for example, the other day, um, he came home and I knew things were off, but I, it's kind of been my recovery work to not address that and to let him address that. And for me to go into self-care mode and just take care of me and do my self-care lists. Um, but he came to me saying, Hey, there's a part of me that really wants to isolate right now, but I'm just telling you that. So, you know, I'm not, um, making you feel like, uh, I don't know what he said, but something like that. And that was huge for me because in the past, he doesn't even say anything like that. It's just go into self-isolate mode, avoid Emily. Don't look, don't even look at her. Don't talk to her. Just avoid her like the black plague. So we've had a couple of little, little shifts like that. Um, Okay. So Emily, I got a question for you. It sounds like he's actually doing some pretty good work in what you just said. I'm hearing some shift from um, dishonesty and denial to transparency and, and honesty. And, and, and that's, that's not a small thing. Like that's a big deal um, for, for him and for recovery and those things. Here's my question for you. Um, I wonder about two things. I wonder if you've kind of uh, moved along the grieving process and uh, really experienced a lot of pain processed it, done your own therapy, dealt with it. And is there a part of you that's, um, that your heart has moved on and is feeling guilty or, 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 or sad that, that maybe you're not in love with him like you used to be. Um, I wonder about that, that, that option. So hold that one there for a second. The other one I wonder about is, is something different, which is he's broken your trust and he's hurt you and you do love him a lot and would love to be in a relationship with him. You just don't want to get hurt again. And so you're hesitant to engage in a, in an intimate vulnerable relationship again, because you've been hurt. So do do you see those two different things? I'm wondering kind of which one resonates with you. Uh, The second one definitely uh, resonates more. Um, I'm definitely getting a little teary eyed thinking about, um, because my my story is superimposed on a trauma history as well mm. um, and I was adopted at 13 months of age mm. and transracially too so um, I've kind of been exploring that in yeah. my own therapy work and so even from pre-verbal or you know, that whole story has just kind of, um, I think a lot of the wounding is kind of, not kind of, is being recreated. Yeah. Um, and so not only do I have trust issues in my relationship, but I think I just have trust issues in general. And I mean, who wouldn't? Mm-hmm. 
Um, yep. That both come from what you experienced in the relationship and your previous trauma throughout your life. Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's like in therapy, I think my therapist said something about, ah, so it sounds like we're uh, kind of coming to this like uh, crossroads where you might have to trust more. I know you guys have talked about how um, at some point it is, you know, your decision to trust again. And I definitely know that um, there hasn't been enough time to, you know, uh, jump in the icy lake with him. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to think of those metaphors. Yeah, you guys that, that's the analogy. Before. There you go. Sit on the shoreline for a little bit longer and yeah. kind of wait and see, right? The, yeah. I'm kind of hearing there's a, there's a, an issue here that a lot of us human beings have. We all want love and trust and intimacy. Um, but dang it, there's a, requ- a requirement to get it, which is vulnerability. And when you have wounds of trauma going on, um, then, then we're not that excited to go get vulnerable. And so it puts you in this catch 22 of like, I want that in the relationship. I really do want connection, but I don't know if it's worth it because the, the pain hurts so bad when I get hurt and I've been hurt enough to know that it very well could happen again. And well, it's a tough spot to be in. Tyler, go ahead. The truth, the truth is, is that even if this is a good relationship that's going to go into recovery, there will be bumps in the road and it will mm-hmm. hurt again. Yeah. In the in the healing process, it will hurt because, because we're both human in a relationship and because there's recovery that's trying to be worked and there's not going to be perfection there. Um, and, and Emily, it really actually makes a lot of sense with what you're saying, especially with that little bit of your background history too, that... What, what it sounds like you're experiencing is a secondary emotion that's there to protect you. And so you start to see that work starting to happen. And Brennan's right. Like, this is way too early. You know, it's okay for you to kind of be tentative and maybe dip your toes in the water for now and not jump all the way in. Um, but over time, if things continue to trend in that direction, you will come to this place where that vulnerability, really what's happening... I don't like that he's doing his recovery because it's pressing on the pieces of me that I know that I've got to continue to make peace with. I know I'm going to have to go and continue to confront those things. It sounds like you are really well in your own recovery right now. I've got to confront my past trauma. I've got to confront the trauma in the relationship. I've got to work on the issues of trust and, and the easy way out of that is to just get angry at whoever is in the picture right now. It'd be him. And to say, I'll find something to to keep him at bay, and and that way I don't have to like wrestle with all those internal feelings that I'm having right now. And so it can easily turn into frustration, irritation, anger, whatever else. And it's easy to stay there because it feels safe, even though it's its own trap. Because then you'll never get what you're really looking for if you stay there. So Emily, going on with Ty- what Tyler's saying, that very part that he's talking about. Um, I'm wondering, you know, he calls it the secondary emotion. I'm wondering if you could kind of um, explain or talk about that part of you, that part of you that doesn't want him to get better. um, That part of you that's resistant to him being a more vulnerable person. Um, 
what, what is that part? What is it trying to do? What, what protection is it giving you? Could you speak to that? Oh, wow. Um, I think that part is definitely saying, I'm just trying to protect you from getting hurt again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that seems to be the, what, what's the, what's the, what's the problems with that part? Like what, what consequences is it giving in your life that you don't want? Um, the part, I think she isolates herself, um, from others and not just in this relationship, um, but even with friends and she always, or she takes kind of this identity on as like a loner. Like she doesn't really need anybody. Hmm. Um, is she good? At, is she good at that? Yeah, she. Uh, she's also a. The system was always also uh, parentified very young, and so she kind of learned to be independent very young. Mm. And um, I guess doesn't know healthily how to rely on others interdependently, and it's either codependence or nothing at all. So she's not good at attachment, but, but it sounds like she's really, um, very good at surviving, mm-hmm. um, really strong in many ways. And yeah. yeah, if we stopped and just had compassion for that part and appreciation for that part, that's the first thing we need to do before we say, get rid of that. It's causing you to not be a vulnerable person, right? right. Um, good, like yeah. good for her to be there to fight for you and protect you. And we need to love that part of you. Um, and, and that part of you is actually sending you messages that are important so that you don't get hurt again. Right. And so, so how do we, how, like Tyler was saying with recognizing that part of you, how, how do you get conscious of it, appreciate it, acknowledge it, but then choose to bring other parts up do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. But it's so, I think she likes to uh, criticize a lot. Mm. And, um, you know, that way, if, if she can be better than, uh, then she's justified in isolating other or isolating herself from others and pushing others away. Um, so she's maybe a little bit of a credit too. Um, but it's just, it's almost so automatic that, and that I'm so like blended with those parts that I don't, I don't even know sometimes when I'm in acting from those parts. It's unconscious. Yeah. Cause it's defensive defense mode protection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think I've been there so long. Yeah. It's so automatic. <clears throat> yeah. I think that that's, that's one of the challenges with this and where Brandon's going, I think is spot on Emily. And it sounds like you're pretty familiar with where he's going. This is, he's doing some kinds of parts work a little bit with something called IFS. Yeah. And uh, 
and this is that's just for our listeners to understand where we're going today. Um, but what I'm hearing you say, and I'm going to just kind of reemphasize what what Brandon and you have just said is the part of you that we're talking about right now is really good at self-protection, survival, independence, getting your own needs met, so to speak. It's probably even connected to the part of you that, <clears throat> that this part of you might be the reason you're on the show today is that it's, it's willing to do to protect, <clears throat> right? Yes. But, yes. but it also has this other side of it causes you to feel alone. It causes you yeah. to feel criticized. It causes you to ache inside for more connection, but not know how to actually get it. Um, because it doesn't allow for anybody else to come in, especially if it feels too vulnerable. And where, where Brandon's going, I think is, is really brilliant is, is that we have to be able to value that part of you that's done so much for you. Right. And you said it's a young part of you, right? Yeah. So, very young. So very young. that, that young part of you that feels all of those things, if you were to stop and pause for a minute, and think about that part of you, what would the physiology in your body be doing if that part of you is in the driver's seat? Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is uh, anger. It's so like the chest tightening and the fist tightening and the all the thoughts and emotions associated with that too mm -hmm. cognitively mm -hmm. um do you the feel heart that? beating fast okay good okay so so do you feel those things when you notice your partner actually doing recovery work is that the is that the physiological response that comes up no i think it's actually fear too. Mm -hmm. What Maybe does the fear mixed. feel like? Uh, gosh, the fear is, is also in the chest, but it's kind of like a like a hollower feeler, and it sits lower than like mm -hmm. right at the sternum level. It's lower, kind of like in the diaphragm, almost in the pit of the stomach, not quite. Mm -hmm. Um, is, that, is that fear feeling tied to the same part we're talking about that, that the yeah. anger uses to protect it? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It seems so to feel true. So when you feel, when you feel those physical things in your body, this is where the autopilot kicks in, right? That's the sign to do the first step Brandon was talking about. Oh, there's that tightness in my chest or my heart's fluttering or my hands are tightening up or my face is flushing or whatever else you're, you're experiencing. That's, that's your body's way of going into that protected place. And that's the place where you're going to notice faster than just about anything else. And once you notice that physiology, acknowledge the part. Which is opposite action, Tyler. Because, because I'm flushed, I'm in fear, I want to disconnect. You know, the, I should say, stop it. Stop doing that. And what the, the healthy thing to do for that part right there is to give it some love and compassion 
and acknowledge that it's there. And, and when you can do that, you no longer are unconscious. Now you have some, some power to choose whether you want to continue to bring that part out or whether you want to bring up some other parts instead. Right. Does that make sense, Emily? Oh yeah. yeah. That's going to be tough though, because I, it is so quick. It's okay. So quick to that. It's okay to go into that, Emily. It's, it's going into that. That's going to let you recognize it. And I, you got this beautiful thing going right now where you even identified it as a young part of yourself. So here's the physiology. Oh, there's that young part of myself that's trying to protect me. Um, I'm so grateful that that part of me has been there. And is this the right place? Or is there another part of me that could do a better job right now? Right. Mm. The, the power is found not in, in like not having this part and showing up perfectly. That's not the, that's not healthy. What, what, <laughs> the, what the power is found in is kind of the rewind or the mindfulness. It's, Oh, there it is. Look, my heart's beating fast. I just yelled at him and told him to get the freak out of the house. There it is. Interesting. <laughs> huh? I'm going to get curious with that. And, you know, instead of, instead of staying here with this, because I know where this is coming from, I'm now mm -hmm. conscious of it. Right. And Emily, I want to, I want to point out something, you know, we, we're really talking about the specific part, but just you being on the show right now and you having emotions, crying, talking openly, um, there's, there's some very different parts, um, at play right now. That, I mean, you're, you're not isolating, you're being very open, you're being very vulnerable, you're being very honest. So you have other parts inside of you that are, are very strong and powerful um, and, and, and natural for you. And to learn how to get conscious and to know your internal family, and then you can, you can start to bring that part that we've been talking about might be very important say at work for something, right. Or in yeah. certain parts of your life. Um, but you can choose to, to bring some other parts into play in your relationship as you see your, your partner moving more and more into recovery and you don't have to protect. I know this is easy for me to say, you don't have to protect yourself with this specific part. Um, there's another part of you that loves to learn, um, that, that, you know, consumes a bunch of recovery stuff that knows what recovery is, that part will protect you too. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Brandon, could you just back up really quickly, just for our listeners, you kind of used some language. You said my, <clears throat> my internal family, would you just kind of explain what you mean by that? Yeah. I think the easiest way to, to kind of know what we're, we've been talking about is, is that movie inside out. Um, it's a little different than that, what we're talking about, but the, the, the theory behind it is that we have an internal family inside of us. We have parts. So there's, we have different parts of who we are and those parts are there to, for, they have different functions and protect us in different ways. And because of our trauma and our life experiences, we've developed these parts and we naturally have some of these parts. And so what we've been talking about with Emily is is, is very clear, right? There's this part there that's developed because of trauma and that's very important. But now with the whole 
process of recovery and what's going on in her relationship, um, really checking this part out and seeing whether or not it's helpful to get what she truly desires and wants in her life. Right. And so that's what we're doing. Um, so IFS is one of the most common, um, best ways to treat trauma. And the, the thing that's awesome about it is it takes away the shame. So one of the, one of the problems is, is that we judge our parts and we say, dang it, I messed up again. And instead it, it provides kind of a separation from our bad thoughts and behaviors. I'd say bad in quotation marks. And then we can replace it with compassion of, oh, that's why I show up that way. That's why that part's there for me. I know myself. And Emily, you're a perfect example of this as you talk about your trauma as a child and like we can have compassion for that child, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and can, have you gotten to a place where you can have real compassion for yourself as an adult? No, not quite. It's getting better, especially since I've been on this whole, uh, journey, but I, I got perfectionist parts too. Those Mm -hmm. there a lot of the times, not always trying to run the show and yeah. And the shame, the shame is underneath there kind of pushing. Yeah. 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 Can I give you, I want to give you an example. Um, this is a true story, Emily, and I want, I want you to kind of walk me through this. So, um, a couple of years back, I took my kids to a water park and, um, it was my two youngest. We, hi- I get a tube, we hike up the thing and, you know, smart me. Like I, I pick the, the ton, the one with a tunnel that's in complete pitch black, like the, <laughs> the slide to go down. And, and my kids are a little scared and I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. We'll just get on the tube. It'll be fun. I promise. Just get on the tube. It'll be fun. And so they trust me. And, um, we get on this tube and we get halfway down the slide and something about the, our weight distribution at one of the turns, we flipped up and landed right on top of our heads, basically. Oh no. And the tube went down the slide and I was just like diving for my kids trying to grab them. Um, and it was legit trauma for them in this black tube in the middle of a water park. And we get out of the we get out of the slide and they're just both screaming and crying. Um, so I I actually hate this story as I'm telling it. Um, you know, we go to a water park now and guess what, Emily, they're not dying. (laughs) They're not dying to go on a slide. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they don't really trust dad that much to be like, it's going to be okay. (laughs) You know? And is is that okay? I mean, my kids, um, one of them turns seven, um, in a week and one of them is nine. And so is that okay that they don't want to go to the water park and hike up and ride down the slide with dad right now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how can you say that that's okay? I mean, shouldn't they have fun? Shouldn't they be kids? Shouldn't they, you know, that's what, that's what kids do at water parks, right? Yes. And they had that experience last time with dad that wasn't so pleasant. So of course they're not going to want to be excited to go down a slide. So what, if you were with me at the water park 
And I was saying, Hey kids, let's go up there right now. And they, they were like hunkering down and not going and they were crying. What would you say to them? I would probably tell them it's okay. You don't have to go down the slide. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the first step right there, Emily. It's okay. You're, it makes sense why you are the way you are. That's the first thing you need to know that you're perfectly fine in, in, in your trauma responses and where you're at right now. It's okay. Okay. So you got to start there. You got to start with that compassion and, and then also with that understanding underneath, Oh, I get why you're hesitant. Like there's a story. You're not just crazy and you're not just yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, there's a reason why you are where you are right now. So you got to start there with, with a lot of love for yourself, a lot of compassion, a lot of understanding. Okay. Now, would it be good for my kids to eventually try again? Yeah. Yeah. It could be good for them, huh? But you know what? Maybe they need to do like just a normal little tiny slide first and see how fun that is and do that for a while um, before they're ready to go up a level. I mean, I'm not going to go take them down the big black tunnel first thing. <laughs> no. <clears throat> you see what I'm saying? Um, and so with your partner coming back into recovery, it's the same concepts. Um, you don't have to, you know, have like deep intimacy right off the bat here. Um, you can start at one little step at a time and watch trust grow over that period of time. And that part inside of you is going to say, no, I don't even want to do that. And you're going to have to like <laughs> push yeah. that part aside a little bit and, and try a little bit um, if you want to. Yeah, so I had this. See. Go ahead, Tyler. <clears throat> I was just thinking, Brandon, there's a principle inside of what you just did with, with Emily and the way you told the story is that when you validate a painful emotion, the emotion goes down. And so when you're able to go and be at the water park with your kids and instead of going like, hurry and get up there, kids, let's go. We're going to conquer our fears. It's more like, <laughs> hey, I, I get why you don't want to anyone in your shoes wouldn't like, I know you had a bad experience with it. And so, yeah, of course you feel the way you do that instantly starts to actually work counter intuitively against that emotion that's rooting in, in the fear. And it also starts to build trust. And so when you're able to do that with yourself or those parts of yourself or with other people a little bit at a time, then it starts to open that door up. <clears throat> and uh, I would tell another story on this same kind of a principle, although this one has the other side of it, Brandon, which is the push into the discomfort too. Um, you know, you know that I like to shoot guns and stuff. And I took my daughter, like uh, I took my daughter to shoot guns a few years ago and I put her on a gun that kicked a little bit too hard. And she's a little, you know, 11 year old girl, like skin and bones, like the, the gun kicked and it bruised her shoulder and for like two years, she says to me, yeah, dad, I want to go shoot guns again. But then every time we go out to shoot guns, she doesn't want to shoot. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm there and I'm doing the opposite of what Brandon's teaching. I'm like, I'm oh, come on, you can power through this. You're going to get through this. It's no problem. Like, you know, I've, I've taken her out five, six times with no avail, uh, about three, about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, we went out to shoot guns as a family again. And she came along, my wife happened to come along and, we got out there 
everyone else is shooting. My youngest isn't shooting. And I'm kind of doing the kind of upset dad thing, like hurry and get over <laughs> it. Like, you know, and buck up, <laughs> come on, <laughs> go, go shoot some guns. But my wife sits down and like talks with her for a minute. And is like, yeah, I don't blame you. You're afraid of the kick and this and that and the other. And finally my wife's like, well, here, Paisley, why don't you come with me? And she takes her over and then she grabs the gun and holds the gun next to Paisley, you know, and then she's like, all right, just put your hand on it. And Paisley's like, I don't want to, you know, like, <laughs> but she does. And then she just holds it for a second. And then she's like, all right, now just look through the sights for a second. And she kind of puts it up, but then she doesn't want to. And she's turning away. She's like, I don't want to, you know, no. And my wife's like, you can do this just a little at a time. And then she's got her holding the gun down range, looking through the sights, but she's kind of like, teared up and she's like, I don't think I want to, I don't want to. And my wife's like, no, you can do this. I'm still over on the sidelines, just kind of like throwing my hands in the air, like, forget it, you know? And, uh, <clears throat> finally we get her there with the gun. She's holding the gun. She's seen through the gun. She shot this gun before and it doesn't kick the way that the old gun did. And finally my wife was like, all right, Paisley, it's time to conquer your fears. Like mm -hmm. you're going to, you're going to do this today. And Paisley like, it's like, I don't think I want to. And Rhiannon's like, today's the day we're going to do this. And then finally Rhiannon's like, open your eyes, look through the site, point the gun at the target. Paisley does all those things. And then she's like, pull the damn trigger. <laughs> 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 and, and Paisley's like, pulls the trigger. <laughs> and then she's like, Oh, that's fun. And then she ended up shooting like for another hour, just like shot every gun we had. And she's like, loves it. And she was asking the next day if she could go again. And it was just like, she finally got over to that little edge and she needed just that little bit of an extra push. But once she did, she stepped into that new, that new place and was like, okay, this isn't nearly as, as terrible as I thought it was. And I, I actually know how to do this now when I didn't. But Tyler, here, here's an interesting thing about this story. Um, a lot of times what we see is that the partner who has betrayed is the one saying, pull the damn trigger. Yeah, so, right. So they're the ones saying, when are you going to get over it? When are you going to be vulnerable again? When are you going to trust me again? And it's, it's kind of like that gun that hurt Paisley, you know, trying to say, Hey, shoot me again. And it's like, no, you hurt me. You're the one that hurt me. Yes. Well, and, and that's why, that's why I was having no success is because I was the one who had lined her up and said, this is going to be so fun. And boom, like, and so she, like every time I'd taken her out five or six times after that, she's like, nope, 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 not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. So but the finally, but, but Tyler, the partner, the partner, because if you're the one, right, the partner's job is to be heavy on the validation and empathy side of things. Like really understand, like I, I understand the pain and I understand why you're in it. I understand you and who you are, and I'm not going to push you too far too fast. And I really liked Emily, your story with your partner mm -hmm. and him coming to you and saying, Hey, I feel like isolating right now. This isn't about you. This is kind of me right now. Like the, that's him being very cognizant of your parts and your trauma and saying, yeah. Hey, like, like I understand this is triggering for you. I just want, to be upfront and acknowledge that this is where I'm at. That type of behavior is over time what is very empathetic and patient with your trauma and will rebuild the trust in, in your relationship, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, that's the hardest thing to do as a partner who's done the betraying because when you see, even if you're doing good work, when you see the person that you've hurt hurting, 
you feel your own shame and you you're yeah. likely to either get your own parts of defensiveness or isolation pulling there. And, and what, what the best thing you could do is actually show up and say, of course you feel the way you do. Like, you know, th there's a part of you that's been burned by me. And so it makes total sense why you're giving this response. Emily, I want to say something to you that you'll either love or you'll hate. So you're ready? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Um, you are on the right path. You're, you're right in it, in the process. So you, you, sh uh, I'm going to say a word I don't like, but you shouldn't be totally ready to be in a trusting relationship with him. That, that wouldn't be healthy. Right. Um, but you're getting very conscious and aware of yourself and doing your own trauma work. And you're, you're way more aware than most people are. Of, of, of why they are the way they are. Um, you're educated about what recovery is and you're assessing whether it's real recovery or not. Um, you, you're just engaged in that process right now. And it's, it's still early on. He, he hasn't been like truly working recovery for, for very long. Right. Um, so I know it's painful, this process, and I know it's, it's tricky, but you're moving forward. Can you see that? Yes, definitely. Even separate of any work he's done for me, uh, separate, you know, like his own individual recovery, I've seen make a huge change in me because I was the typical uh, partner, you know, mm -hmm. snooping and monitoring and trying to be his accountability partner, all of that. And like, I've moved completely away from that. And I don't even want to know, like, I, I even tell him like, you know, if you act out with porn, um, I don't even want to know. It's your responsibility to take that to an accountability partner and figure out how to deal with that, you know, because uh, there's other behaviors for me to see, to observe where you're at without knowing. Um, so that like, that was a huge thing for me when I hit that. And now it's like, he, we use parts work to talk about what we're going through. So that's been nice. crazy helpful mm -hmm. um, for us and has helped me even find compassion for his parts. Because at first, you know, I was typical partner, you know, what, 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 what the heck, just get over. It. I don't understand. You're just, just stop, just stop. Like it was, right. I was just stop, <laughs> but <laughs> laughing hindsight, 2020, it's not, Oh, it's not that easy, just, is it? Yes. No, it's <laughs> not. But yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So just keep it up. A lot of what you're doing, you, you just in, continue to engage in the way that you are engaging. Um, I, I wouldn't give you right now a silver bullet of how to get better because you're, you're kind of figuring that out. Tyler, what do you think? Yes, you're absolutely on the right track. I think <clears throat> the work is to to make sure that you're offering yourself grace and patience. Everything that you've just you're describing is you're on the right track, a hundred percent. And it sounds like he is too. And it sounds like if things continue to go that direction between the two of you, you you guys are going to work yourself into a really cool place, an awesome relationship. If they yeah. stay engaged in this process together, yeah. I, I think it yeah. sounds it's it's really reading between the lines, it's, it seems very hopeful. And so be patient with yourself, offer yourself grace. It's only been three weeks of like real concerted effort and change. And there will be some bumps in the road and those bumps in the road mm -hmm. don't mean end all. They mean practice. Work through it practice. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing great, Emily. 
Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I hate that it's a process, but I definitely <laughs> have come to a deeper appreciation of the process. Tyler, don't you have a magic pill for her? <laughs> oh my gosh. I wish man. Like, but, but the truth is, is that I don't know, like, yes, that you say that. And the truth is, is I don't know that when you really look at it, the magic pill is often not the right answer because the process itself is what yields the growth it's and, beautiful. The and, and, yeah. and the treasure at the end. Yep. And so people who take the magic pill, they end up with what you call an addiction. <laughs> and <laughs> everything's too easy. Yeah. It, they like it too much. The growth, the, the pain, the struggle is part of the process. And that's, and that's the payoff is the growth. Yeah. So Emily, for thank sure. you for coming on today. Really appreciate you coming on, being vulnerable, sharing your story. Um, if, uh, if you've been listening to this and, and you relate to Emily, <laughs> then we ask you to do one, one of two things or both either leave a review and, and mention Emily's courage and, and thank her um, or share it with somebody who you think this will be helpful for. So thank you so much. You're awesome, Emily. Thank you. Thanks guys. Yep. We'll see you.